everybody. Welcome to the Hidden Gems podcast. We are here again to be talking about a streaming service and uh, we're looking into Peacock, the terrible name for the new service that is partly ad-free coming from NBC and this is their first full week that they have been available to everybody. Uh, that wasn't just a trial period for Xfinity uh, but customers, we've already done one episode on Peacock where we talked about hidden gem movies uh, that are on the service. And this is where we try to dive in a little bit deeper beyond the big name, your Jurassic Parks, your your other big name uh, releases that are on the service and try to give you some ones that, that are worth your time and that we enjoy. And I am film critic Rachel Wagner and Ryan is here. Hey, Rachel, so good to be back with you once again. So good to hear your voice. And I am so excited to be talking about uh, talking about some movies on the Bird Network. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's the, the first big, uh, big week for them. And uh, it seems like it's gone pretty well. I mean, considering, uh, you know, the market and everything, the, the madness at all, it seems like it, I've heard, it seems like people are responding pretty well to it. Uh, from my perspective yeah yeah i don't think we'll be making a video like we did with hbo max anytime soon right (laughs) i mean you feel kind of bad because i think a lot of the plans that they had were obviously interrupted because they had a big sports uh plan was there uh that it was going to be integrated with sports and and uh, but just like everything else in 2020 (laughs) Yeah, I think the motto for this year should be, as plans may be, plans will go awry. Yeah, exactly. And they did have a new series, Brave New World, that is part of the network based on the classic novel. I have not watched it. I've heard it's very R-rated. That's why I haven't watched it uh, yet. uh... Plus, as someone who has read uh, Brave New World by Aldous Huxley, uh, it's a difficult watch or, yeah. or, or read in this case. But. And it, I haven't read it since high school, but I, it doesn't really surprise me that it's very R-rated as far as I remember, that there was quite a bit of uh, sensuality in the book uh, with them taking those pills, you know, and everything. Uh, so it's not very, very surprising, but uh, yeah, I'll pro- I might get around to it once I hear what other people are thinking about it. I, I did get a chance to watch the new Psych movie last night, and I enjoyed it. It's definitely just for fans. There's, It's not for the uh, newcomer, I don't think, to the series. Uh, so you probably, you'd have to watch the series to, I don't know, there's a lot of inside jokes and, and uh, kind of things that are there's one character that the actor has had a stroke like in real life he has and so there were things with him being back that were kind of emotional uh and and with his character uh that if you didn't follow kind of the show you wouldn't quite get i don't think uh but i enjoyed it it felt just like a longer episode of the show uh but it was funny and if you like the show you'll like it (laughs) Yeah, it kind of sounds like what they did in 2015 with the Entourage movie. It's not yeah. meant to bring any new fans in. It's just to bring closure to the um, closure to the series for the longtime fans. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Or or the or the Firefly movie. It was essentially the movie to wrap everything up after the TV show was canceled. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, that's that's it. That's right. And. So yeah, if anybody's seen the Psych movie and you want to talk about it, mention in the comments what you thought. Uh, I and you know I'd give it. It's one of those ones that it does what it's trying to do, uh, pretty well. I mean that's what it's trying to do is be something for the fans, and it does it. <laughs> it's not trying to. It's not trying to appeal to everybody. So, but yeah, the uh, the Peacock they they have a bunch of different sh- uh, shows. Some of them are available in part uh in the free uh version and some are available in whole uh there's uh law and order 30 rock uh downton abbey psych uh, friday night lights mm -hmm. and then more shows are coming they will have the office which will be their big draw uh and then they will have parks and rec those are two 
shows coming uh coming later and uh and they will have you know sports sports coverage once we get sports again <laughs> right now they have soccer on brighton versus newcastle is on right now live so that's my uh exciting. my friend <laughs> phil my friend phil is absolutely overjoyed at this news <laughs> yes that's right <laughs> So yeah, the, uh, the there's a, you know quite a bit. There's some Saturn Live, although they don't have any of the old Saturn Live, which is kind of a bummer. Uh, I think maybe uh, there's a another thing about the Peacock app is that there are channels, and one of the channels is they have a vintage Saturday Night Live channel, so that's where that went. Oh yeah. Yeah, they also have an Unsolved Mysteries channel. Uh, let me. Let me read off some of the others really quick. Uh, there's a uh, there's a Sky News channel. There's a Hell's Kitchen channel, which that's weird, but okay. Uh, 80s channel, uh, guy getting a haircut channel. No, I'm kidding about that last one, but I'm sure you understand my so, point. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So they're definitely, I think, more about television than they are about movies, but they do have a movie section and there there's some interesting stuff on here uh, we talked about some some deeper cuts last time and so that's what we're going to do again this time and i'll put the link down to our first episode of peacock coverage uh in the description if people are curious but what was your first pick so my first pick is a uh uh, is a bit of an old movie. It's all the way from 1931, and it is the original movie of The Invisible Man. Uh, this was this is based on the legendary book by H.G. Wells, and it was directed by James Whale, who directed, among other movies, uh, the first Frankenstein and the sequel to it, Bride of Frankenstein, which are two of my favorite horror movies of all time. I watched uh, I watched this movie for the first time in preparation for the new Invisible Man that was released earlier this year from Lee Winnell, who is one of my favorite horror movie directors going today. And um, I was honestly surprised at how good the 30s Invisible Man was. Uh, like I said, this was directed by James Whale, and he had a way of creating just atmosphere and making the monsters just feel like like true monsters, despite the fact that the Invisible Man was not a larger-than-life, you know, sewn-up, you know, brute. You know, he was just, he was a scientist who had turned himself invisible inadvertently and was slowly losing his mind. Uh, the Invisible Man in question was played by legendary character actor Claude Rains, who has been in way too many movies for me to even mention in one breath, but... I just recently saw him in Mr. Smith Goes to Washington and just, he's been in so many others, like I said. But the reason to watch this movie is for the legendary special effects. Uh, we are very spoiled by our current time in that CGI is literally everywhere in movies nowadays. But back in the early 1930s, that was a very hard to come by. And so when so the novelty of seeing a literal invisible man was just mind blowing, but they somehow made it work. And watching it through a 2020 context, I saw worse CGI this year than there was in 1931. Yeah, uh, the Invisible Man is a part of the Universal Monsters series, okay. and this may be one of the more lighthearted ones. There's definitely some darker stuff, you know, like when the Invisible Man has this big monologue where, where he says, my invisible hand shall reach out and the nations of the world will run squealing in terror, like dark stuff like that. But there's also moments where the Invisible Man just like knocks people off of bikes and just takes cops hats off. And it, it's not like a knee slapper, but it's like, okay, you're definitely doing stuff that I would probably do if I were invisible. But um, I feel like I've rambled on a little too long about <laughs> it, but just, just go watch The Invisible Man. It, it's really, really, really good. Yeah, it is. And it, it manages to, to balance that tone, as like you were saying. 
of having the lighter moments with also still having the scary moments. And it really is a pretty tremendous visual effect when you think about that they had had barely had sound in movies. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, sound movies were still a relative novelty <laughs> yeah. back in the day. And then but they... just to see some guy with no head as he's removing his bandages, I would love to be a fly on the wall in that theater because people would be like, oh my God, he has no head. It was just... It, I just to see people's yeah. reactions to that that would be yeah I agree that would be really really cool and it's always good to to see the history of cinema to become as well versed as you can if you're if you are taking cinema seriously uh, I think it's important nobody has seen everything but I think that we should all try to see as much as possible and uh and to not sort of swear off certain genres to be open to almost every genre that you that's out there and uh and see you know what the what they have to offer and you end up being surprised i think a lot of the time by stuff that you never would have thought that you would like that you end up liking and that's the that's the joy of being a a true cinema fan is finding this hidden gems that's what we're all about it's what we do and so it's a it's a really it's a good pick all right well my next pick uh at the time it was released it's it wasn't a hidden gem but i feel like now it's been a bit forgotten uh and it is gosford park this is released in 2001 this won jillian fellows the oscar for best original screenplay and if you love downton abbey then you have to see Gosford Park. Gosford Park is basically like practically the precursor for Downton Abbey. Uh, it was he, Jillian Fellows, wrote Downton Abbey, <laughs> and it's a very similar kind of story where you have all these characters upstairs and downstairs in the uh, in the traditional English home and uh you have a murder that happens in this one and there's all the suspects in this big house and uh who who did the murder directed by robert altman who is great at doing these kinds of films where you have all these different characters coming in and out and uh, if you love knives out then you gotta see gosford park even though this is a different era it's very similar in Kind of tone and feel and mystery and all these different characters and uh, it has an incredible cast uh hoodie maggie smith uh ryan felipe michael gambone uh it has um oh, what's his name uh, uh charles dance mm-hmm yeah tons of uh british uh royalty <laughs> british uh, i mean tons of british well-known uh, names in the cast has Clive Owen in it, <laughs> and uh, and he actually plays kind of an insecure, shy version. Like typically, he's not that kind of character. It has Kristen Scott Thomas in it, uh, Stephen Fry, who a lot of people know, is in it. Uh, it's a great cast, and uh, it's really a fun mystery slash uh, comedy uh slash social uh, <laughs> uh social political uh, statement it's just really fun and uh so if you like downton abbey and you like mysteries then you should watch gosford park yeah i was i was looking up the synopsis of this and i was thinking to myself this sounds a lot like downton abbey and i had to <laughs> i had to check Maggie Smith's characters are two different names. Uh, mm -hmm. In in Downton Abbey, her name is Viola Crawley, and in Gosford Park, it's it's uh, Valerie Trentham, if I remember correct. That's but, right. Uh, but it's it, it. I would have been fooled otherwise, and then I was then I looked, and it was like, oh, the same uh, the same guy that wrote uh, Downton Abbey wrote this movie. I'm not yeah. surprised. Yeah, I mean, it's slightly later than Downton Abbey. Downton Abbey starts with the sinking of the Titanic, uh, and uh, and then goes through uh, to to about this time. I forget what the exact ending was but it's a little little bit earlier 
but nevertheless, oh. the same overall kind of feel and style and uh, to the storytelling of Upstairs, Downstairs. Well, if we're counting the Downton Abbey movie that came out last year, it would have ended at the end of World War II. So like 1947-48. Was it the end of World War II? Yes, if or I World remember War, right. World War I. Yeah, World War II. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, yeah, and uh, this started in 1912. So just a little bit, a little bit, uh, or it started earlier than this uh, movie. But, but anyway, uh, it's, it's really fun. And uh, I think uh, most anyway, I don't know why it's rated R. I really don't. I mean, maybe a little language, I guess. Ah, it's that, it's uh, a very tame R. Ah, that MPAA rating system. <laughs> very tame rated R, in my opinion. But anyway. Never change. Never change. <laughs> uh, so what is your second choice? So for these next two picks, uh, it was a little bit of an accident, but I picked two movies starring John Goodman. Uh, I have no idea how this happened, but... I was going through the movies and I was like, oh, this one, and then the next one. And I'm like, these both star John Goodman and come out within two years of each other. Give me a million more tries and I wouldn't be able to do that again. But here we are. So for the first, uh, first of my John Goodman double feature, I'm choosing 1991's King Ralph. Uh, this, is, uh, this is a movie with a bit of a, a, bit of a silly premise. It's it's about a Las Vegas lounge singer named Ralph Jones, who just so happens to be the last surviving heir to the King of England. And he is, he's brought over to England to take over as nearly all of the royal family is wiped out in one incident after a botched, uh, after a botched family photo opportunity kills nearly all of them. Uh, and let me just put that in greater context. Ralph Jones, an American, becomes the king of England. Yes, I, <laughs> that is an actual sentence huh. that I said. Yeah. Uh, and and he is, uh, he's advised by these two advisors named Duncan and, uh, and Cedric. Cedric is played by the legendary Peter O'Toole, who, I mean, his resume speaks for himself. Uh, John Hurt is in this. Uh, Duncan is played by the guy who would... Uh, who would be Vernon Dursley in the Harry Potter movies? He has a he has a name and I can't remember it off the top Is of my head. Is that Richard Griffith? I believe so. That sounds about right. But um, <clears throat> this movie could have been so easily just like a oh, an American being the king of England, you know, slapstick comedy, you know, laughs all around. But no, there's some moments like that. But at the same time, uh, Ralph seems like the kind of guy who who wants to learn and does try his best. There's definitely some kind of slapstick moments like when when he is learning about the art of the English tea and the and the mugs are so small and Ralph's fingers are so fat that his that the mug gets stuck in his finger and as he's like, "So what's on the agenda for today?" and the and the cup is still stuck to him and he has to like like get it off his finger. So there's kind of silly stuff like that, but at the same time he seems like a guy who wants to try his best, despite literally everything that's going on. They could have turned him into just uh, into just an oaf, but he actually does care, and he does try his best. Mm -hmm. And and John Hurt is also in this as Lord Percival Graves, a guy who is scheming to get the throne for himself, and he comes up with more creative schemes to try and try and get the throne for himself. And uh, they have, and he and Peter O'Toole have great scenes together. And O'Toole has this one line where he's like, "And should we have no king at all?" And Hurt is like, "Absolutely not." And every time I'm like, "We should take it over, like I did in V for Vendetta." But <laughs> anyway, King Ralph is definitely a movie that a lot of people look down on, but it's a movie that I've that I've always enjoyed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it sounds a lot like there was a Hallmark movie that was similar. <laughs> called the royal hearts about a uh it's with james brolin uh as the uh the man from montana the farmer from montana who ends up becoming the king of a it wasn't england it was just a made-up country uh <laughs> and 
uh, that one was really entertaining i liked that hallmark movie and that sounds also entertaining so i'll check i hadn't heard of that one so that's a perfect hidden gem very good uh all right well my next choice is a comedy that i felt like is a bit underrated is kicking and screaming this is from 2005 and this is uh stars will ferrell as this man who is just a nice guy and he wants to just be a nice coach for this uh this soccer and uh and uh his dad is like super super competitive always forced him to be really competitive played by robert duvall and uh and they end up having to coach this uh um they coach this this soccer team and uh and he gets more and more and more competitive as he coaches the team and his father gets more and more involved and i don't know i i just thought it was pretty funny and i liked this dynamic of will ferrell and robert duvall i mean those are two of our best that uh that we have as far as uh i mean robert duvall one of the best actors that are working today and will ferrell can be pretty funny when he wants to be and uh so i i just i don't know i think it they them them uh, becoming more and more competitive <laughs> it's pretty funny uh especially he's like he like drives an electric car and stuff like that so yeah there's i i remember this this movie so much like scenes play of it in my head all the time like like you said uh, will ferrell's character drives a prius and then here comes this woman driving a big old hummer you know like the the gas guzzling version of a hummer the h1 and she's and, and she's like that your car and he's like uh yeah and and they just have like a uh like a whole thing and i'm like well so much for caring about the environment there but <laughs> but yeah i've seen this movie so many times and credit where credit is due to mike ditka who yeah he's funny much, who pretty much plays himself but like he has so many scenes with will ferrell that are just hysterical and yeah. there's there's this running joke where Dick is smoking a cigar in his house and his wife hates that. And, and she's always like, Mike, I smell smoke. And Mike's like, nobody's smoking. And it's just like, it's so funny every single time. And he always yeah. hands the cigar to Will and he's like, Will's doing it or not Will, but uh, Phil, that's who I'm thinking of. And so, yeah, I've seen this movie, like I said, way too many times. And Will's and Will Ferrell's character's got this big coffee machine that he's like going to, and he's like, and he's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so because he's yeah. like addicted to coffee, and I don't know, it's just a funny movie, I think, and and uh, I I think it has a pretty low on Tomatoes score, so I don't know, it just didn't ring true for people, I guess. But I laughed, so what are you gonna yeah. do? This may be a bit of an unpopular opinion, but I've never really been a big Will Ferrell fan. Like uh-huh. most of the movies he's been in, I've been like, okay, he was funny, but I don't see why everyone's, you know, flipping out over him. Uh-huh. Like this is this is one of my favorite movies of his, honestly. This yeah. one and the other guys that he was in with Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, that one's funny. I, I actually like him pretty well, I would say. Not always, but I love Stranger Than Fiction, which is a another, I'd say, hidden gem of his that doesn't get enough love but i i love with him and emma thompson and i love uh, <laughs> even though it's it's very vulgar but i do love uh talladega nights that one makes me laugh uh it's a i can't say it's like a good movie but it, it, if a comedy's job is to make me laugh it succeeds as i laugh i and, and elf i love uh, so he has quite a few that i like uh quite a bit uh but uh, the man child thing can get a little bit old depending on how yeah, it's the, done. the scene in um the scene in elf that always makes <laughs> me laugh uncontrollably every single time is when uh is when buddy's going to new york and he passes by the lake and the narwhal pops up and the nar and there's this threatening music and all of a sudden here comes the narwhal and the narwhal in the <laughs> the silliest voice ever and he's like bye buddy i hope you find your dad i'm like (laughs) (laughs) that voice should not be coming out of a narwhal (laughs) i just love when he goes in the coffee 
a coffee shop. The world's best coffee. You did it. You did it. Congratulations. <laughs> well done, everybody. <laughs> like I said, I'm not a big fan, but he does have his moments. Yeah. Fair. That's fair. All right. What's your next pick? So part two of my John Goodman double feature is from 1993, and it is a movie called Matinee. Uh, this was directed by Joe Dante, who directed Gremlins, among other things. And it's, it's Dante's, and it's essentially Joe Dante's love letter to the movies that he grew up with uh, as a child. Movies like War of the Worlds and, and The Beast of 20,000 Fathoms and Earth vs. the Flying Saucers. And mostly all of the movies from director William Castle, who directed too many horror movies in the 1950s and 60s for me to mention in one breath. Uh, he was also known to, he being William Castle, also used a lot of gimmicks like buzzers in the seats and, you know, guys in masks running around the theater going, ooh, and, and et cetera. And instead, this isn't a biopic though. Uh, John Goodman instead plays a director named Lawrence Woolsey. Who is who directed a movie called Mant, half man, half ant, and yes, that is as cheesy as it sounds. Uh, he's promoting the movie in Key West, Florida, and he has buzzers in the seats and things that go boom, and a guy in an ant costume running around trying to scare everybody. But he's Woolsey, he being Woolsey pronouns, is premiering his movie in Key West, Florida in 1962. For all you history buffs out there, guess what else happened in 1962? The Cuban Missile Crisis. And mm -hmm. so his movie causes a lot of controversy because, hey, why are we showing monster movies when there's real horror going on outside? And Woolsey gives the excuse of, movies are an escape. It's, I'm, I can't do anything to shelter everyone from outside. All I can do is give everyone a distraction. One of my favorite scenes in the movie is, is Woolsey is, is talking to this boy as they're on their way to the theater because he's setting up all the gimmicks. And he, is, and he talks about the movie theater going experience. And watching it back for this podcast, I'm like, oh my God, I miss that so much right now. <laughs> no. Because he's like, he's talking and talking and then he concludes with, and then at the end, everybody just goes, <sighs> and And so... And, yeah. and it's like the three-act structure where everyone is like John Wayne rides off into the sunset and everyone leaves happy. And so it, it's a it's a particularly relevant movie, especially because all movie theaters are essentially closed now. And so yeah. everyone is missing that. And we still have streaming services and libraries and stuff where we can get our movies and physical media, but it will never be the same again. So among other things, Matinee is Joe Dante's love letter to the movies that he grew up watching, also to the movie theater-going experience as well. Yeah, I've, I've heard of it, but I've never seen this movie. And I was glad that you picked it because uh, Matt Singer, who's one of my favorite critics, he was just posting about it today. For, I don't know if it was because it was on Peacock or, or what, but... Uh, but yeah, he was just posting about it on Twitter. And so then we said, oh, I'm happy to kind of learn more about it and talk to you about it because uh, it sounds really interesting. And, you know, I think John Goodman's a really, really good actor, very talented actor. And uh, so, yeah, that sounds interesting. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, if you only know John Goodman for stuff like The Big Lebowski or 10 Cloverfield Lane or stuff like that, the, the man has quite a range, yeah. like from everything that he's done with the Coen brothers to the Righteous Gemstones, which is an HBO series that may not get renewed. And that makes me very sad uh, to just like stuff like an Even, Evan Almighty. And yeah. just Even like his work. Oh yes. Yes. Totally. Absolutely. He even, he was even the best part of Transformers four. Like that's an accomplishment <laughs> in and of itself. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Uh, very good. All right. Well, my next pick, I'm going to make it kind of a double pick. Uh, so there are two Doris Day movies on the Peacock. One I couldn't really count as a guilty pleasure because it's very popular. Is called Pillow Talk, uh, but I, I still want to talk about it. And then Lover Come Back. And both of these movies have Doris Day, uh, Rock Hudson, and Tony Randall, which were kind of a classic 
combination. Uh, Doris Day uh, would usually play sort of the 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 kind of the tough as nails uh, uh, single lady who gets sort of won over by the by Rock Hudson and all his charmed charms and. Uh, in both movies he's kind of a, he's kind of a, a likable liar he's he's he is not very honest with with her and yet he's so darn likable that you forgive him <laughs> um, in pillow talk they have to share they play uh, two uh two singles who have to share a party line and he's basically like a womanizer uh you know going out with all of these all of these women and uh so she has to listen to him on the phone well then he ends up uh through various controversies he ends up pretending to be this texas uh <laughs> this texas businessman who starts to date her and uh and he's lying about being uh this executive and uh and she falls head over heels for for him and uh but she's also this this interior decorator and i don't know it's it's classic it's really classic and all of them tony randall is uh, <laughs> is always the third wheel but i've i've always said that she picked the wrong guy she should have gone with tony randall not with rock hudson because tony randall's actually a nice person and isn't lying to her all the time but uh but, you know romances in the movies uh but they do have wonderful chemistry and there's a lot of of uh, screwball comedy kind of type antics in both of these movies lover come back is basically about uh rock hudson plays this advertising executive who gets an account uh that's a that's a like a, a dumb account dummy account that that the uh there's supposed to be this great invention well it hasn't been invented yet uh but he he has the account so he has to try to market it and uh and at the same time she's also an advertising executive and he uh he pretends to be the inventor uh to kind of uh he, he and he's romancing her while he's pretending to be this product that hasn't been invented that he's advertising anyway it's ridiculous but it's fun and they have such good chemistry together uh that you gotta love the doris day rock hudson tony randall movies <laughs> they're, they're the best so yeah I, I just had to talk about both of them yeah, I I consider myself a big fan of Rock Hudson's, like especially with movies like Giant out there. So yeah. I I can't believe I haven't heard of these two, but now yeah. that I have, I'll definitely look into them. And I love Doris Day. I mean, I love her singing. I love her her just her joyfulness, her energy, her just she was great, and she's a lot more um, mature than giving credit for like there especially in pillow talk there is a lot of innuendo in pillow talk it is by no means a squeaky clean movie that uh, that its reputation might have uh, have it pinned to be uh <laughs> i mean it so. it is a movie called pillow talk yeah. i mean it's, there's it's an edge. like a what do you expect <laughs> yeah there's an edge to doris day that i don't think is necessarily always given the credit that it deserves but i i love I love her and I love uh, these, uh, these movies. So anyway, definitely want to check those out. But um, uh, what about you? What's your next pick? So uh, one more note before we move on. Uh, I was trying to think of who I had heard Doris Day from, and it wasn't even from a movie. It was from a, uh, it was from the Wham song, Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go, because there's <laughs> a line in there where he says like, something 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 like doris day and i've heard that that song so many times i'm like doris day <laughs> doris day where have i heard oh and it was like wake me up before you go go and i'm like think like oh that's where i've heard it from yeah have you ever heard k sarah k sarah 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 whatever yeah. that's doris day really yeah she was in the uh the uh hitchcock with uh, uh the man who knew too much or whatever anyway with um jimmy stewart and she's saying that in uh 
I don't know if she invented the song, but she was famous for Hey Sarah was her was her song. And uh yeah, that's that's Doris Day. And it's just the only Hitchcock she ever did, but interesting. Yeah. She's a better actress than giving credit. I mean, because people never give they think doing comedies or romantic comedies is easy. It's not at all. And uh and she had some non comedy roles, but uh she's a really good actress and uh an amazing singer. So Yeah, it's uh it's it's kinda like doing any other genre really. It's all about uh it's all about commitment to your character and yeah. a bunch of other stuff. That's right. So what do you have next? So my next pick is it's not exactly obscure, but I don't really hear a ton of people talk about it nowadays. It's Coal Miner's Daughter. Uh, this mm-hmm. was the this is the music biopic about the life of Loretta Lynn, who is a pretty big deal in the country music world. Uh, uh, she is played by Sissy Spacek in this movie. I believe Spacek won an Oscar for this. I'm not 100% yeah, she sure. Did. Oh, great. Yeah. Uh, she deserved it. Uh, and also Tommy Lee Jones is in there. And for someone who has made an entire career being Tommy Lee Jones of playing the stern but likable authority figure in here, he kind of plays a jerk. And at first I was like, I don't recognize this Tommy Lee Jones. Like, where did where did this one come from? And And it was a little weird. He's still good in it, but it's still like, this is not the Tommy Lee Jones I grew up with in like The Fugitive and Men in Black and a bunch of other movies like No Country for Old Men and too many others to name. But Coal Miner's Daughter is, uh, I, I say it's obscure, but it's not really. It's, uh, it's a movie that won a lot of Oscars and it should get more love, especially because music biopics are becoming a pretty big deal nowadays with like Bohemian Rhapsody and Rocket Man coming out. But, uh, nobody really ever talks about it. And I think that they should, you know, Sissy Spacek did a great job with the singing, you know, and, and she, uh, I haven't heard too many Loretta Lynn songs, but it's like, it would be like one of those situations where if it's like, if it looks like a duck, walks like a duck and quacks, then, you know, there it is. Uh, there's some hard, there's some very harsh moments in here, but everyone is just doing a fantastic job. It's a great story. It's, funny at times it's it gets really dark at times but it's one of those music biopics that just i absolutely come back to a lot more than some of the more recent ones that have come out so yeah definitely this is definitely one of the better ones mm-hmm. cool yeah that sounds uh, that sounds good that sounds really good uh all right well my next pick is uh, a bit of a fantasy uh we are talking about nanny mcphee and I think, uh, I mean, it did well enough to get a sequel, but I feel like it's not really talked about all that much. Uh, it's based on a graphic novel, I believe, or children's book. And uh, Emma Thompson is the is the lead nanny McPhee, uh, who comes in, Colin Firth plays the beleaguered uh, widow, widower with seven children that are, uh, that are, a, 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 that are a mess, that are, very very misbehaved uh, these children and she comes in and is very unconventional <laughs> in her nannying uh but and she has a very odd look about her with this giant tooth and everything uh but uh really charming really sweet really great costumes and production design uh in it uh, that i i think make it fun and whimsical and imaginative angela lansbury is really fun in the film uh and so yeah it's just uh a nice set of there's actually two movies uh for nanny mcphee but it's one i feel like you don't really get to hear about but i think you could watch it with with little little kids and also with older kids and it's sort of subversive enough and different enough uh for the older kids to enjoy but not like too scary or whatever for you know little kids i remember um i remember seeing this movie in theaters and i was thinking to myself the entire time this is kind of like mary poppins but it's darker yeah like not not by much but definitely enough to notice yeah yeah no it just has like a little bit of sort of subversive 
sense of humor about it and a little bit of a a darker edge to it so yeah i i i think that's true i think that's true that's why i think older kids will still like it uh, yeah although there is that in mary poppins to be honest it's it's not really a squeaky clean mary mary can be pretty sarcastic and pretty uh, uh she's not afraid to tell you know people like mr banks that uh that he's wrong and even to the kids she can be kind of uh she she can speak her mind uh more than than you think and uh, but uh but yeah this is definitely a little more subversive even than that i would say uh yeah and and i remember hearing about the sequel and i was like oh, i'm not sure that i should see it so i'll i think i'll definitely have to take mm -hmm. another look at it yeah yeah all right what is your last pick so my last pick is a TV show, and it is one of my favorites. It is The King of Queens. Yeah. Uh, this, was, uh, this was a show that ran on CBS for a very long time, from like 1998 to 2007. So that's a pretty hefty run. And uh, I just, I have so many memories with this movie that we could go on for like five hours talking about it, but I know we yeah. don't have that kind of time, so I'll just try and distill it as much as possible uh this series is it, it stars kevin james as a uh, delivery truck driver and he lives with his with his wife carrie played by lee Ramini, and their and her father arthur played by the recently departed jerry uh, uh Jer jerry stiller i was about to say jerry springer that would have been an entirely different series altogether. <laughs> yeah Jer jerry stiller may he rest in peace uh who was, of course, Frank Costanza on Seinfeld, and it was the father of Ben Stiller, who made many, who has made many movies, including Mystery Men and The Secret Life of Walter Mitty and Tropic Thunder, and was in the Night at the Museum trilogy, and just, mm -hmm. and and still is doing movies to this day. But The King of Queens, uh, it feels very much. It, it's definitely a procedural. It definitely has like the sitcom sort of formula to it, but. It's Kevin James that makes the series, it, it makes the, the show a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. uh, Kevin James operates in the same orbit as guys like Adam Sandler in that when people see Kevin James on the marquee, they're like, oh, Sandler, nope, yeah. st stay away from me. Not but, without due cause, I should say. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, definitely, there's definitely cause for that. See the Grown Ups movies and Pixels if you want examples of that. Exactly. But when Kevin James is left alone to do his own thing, he can be hysterically funny. Like, hmm. there's, an, there's an episode in season three of King of Queens where, where he and Carrie are having this fight about how, you know, d being a delivery truck driver isn't that much of a stressful job. And he is like, honey, I am not, I don't call you because I'm not ignoring you. I am busy. You get it? Busy. And he walks out the door. Smash cut to him and a bunch of other drivers shooting staples into a paint can. Right. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Uh, this show, it was kind of, it was right around the same time as Everybody Loves Raymond. And I think that Everybody Loves Raymond got all of the uh, the the accolades, the Emmys, the things like that. But I I don't know. I think I probably prefer King of Queens over Everybody Loves Raymond. Yeah, me too. And uh, and I believe if my memory serves me correct, uh, Kevin or Doug Heffernan appeared in several episodes mm -hmm. of Everybody Loves Raymond, and vice versa. Ray Romano yeah. showed up as his character from Everybody Loves Raymond. So right. it was the CBS, like uh, the CBS sent a television yeah. universe, if you want to call it, the CTU. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, and I, 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 it does feel like as soon as it's like, how the heck did he end up getting this, this is such a babe of a wife, like what? How did he yeah. end up getting her? What's yeah, I was on? thinking to myself the entire show, I'm like, <laughs> He is well out of his league. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's right. Like he's a delivery truck driver, and she works at a law office. Yeah, one of these things is not <laughs> like the other, <laughs> but they but, make it work, and they have yeah. a good relationship, and they fight as as all couples do, I imagine. But at the end of the day, they still love each other. 
and i i liked the uh his 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 best friend i forget the name um uh, deacon deacon yeah yeah he was funny uh and of course yeah uh uh jerry stiller hilarious so yeah good pick that's a fun show i actually own that series on dvd uh it's a it could be it could be pretty funny uh and so all right well my last pick uh is a film from last year and it's called autumn stables and this is a basically a hallmark movie (laughs) if it wasn't actually on hallmark channel but it's it fits the mold uh it's about a woman named autumn who has to sell the family uh family stables family farm and she's devastated she's very upset uh and her husband has she's a widow and she ends up meeting this guy played by kevin mcgarry uh she's like autumn is played by cindy busby and uh and uh kevin mcgarry is extremely good looking (laughs) It's extremely attractive with the bluest eyes that you've ever seen. Anyway, he says, oh, he's going to keep everything just as it is. But it turns out he secretly has this whole plan that he's going to, uh, that he's going to build a, I think it's a hotel or something, something like that. He's going to ruin the whole thing. And uh, they, it has those kind of, you know, save the farm kind of elements that you see all the time in these kind of movies. But it executes it like very well and i actually think the script is pretty decent between the two of them and there's a heart because they both have faced loss and they uh they they both uh have have wounds in their life and i i just really enjoyed it i thought it was a, a nice sweet little movie and that's just the kind of thing that i enjoy so <laughs> So there we go. Yeah, Check it out. Yeah, yeah. When you said Hallmark, I was thinking to myself, why did she pick that? Now it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> no, no judgment. No yeah. judgment. I, no. I routinely, I routinely watch Grindhouse and Universal Monster and Hammer movies. So hey, we all have our likes. But yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, no I host judgment. the Hallmarkies podcast, so it's 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 gonna come up a time or two uh, on other podcasts. <laughs> Plus, you're, I love- you're going. Plus, we're going to get to that Joe Rogan-style $100 million exclusive deal to iTunes off a of Hallmark movie. Yes. So, <laughs> so well, I should I, too much I, <laughs> I mean, I actually have interviewed both Cindy and Kevin McGarry, so he'll be qualified to talk about well, this. I imagine yeah. they must be nice. Super nice. Very, very, very nice. And so, yeah, if you want to check out those interviews, that was really fun and i don't know i love sweet little love stories that's what i enjoy so uh there we go this is this is one of those so uh people should check it out so there we go we did it our picks for peacock network and uh yeah it'll be interesting to see how it does you know if it's gonna if it's gonna fizzle or if they're gonna be able to keep it going until we get sports again and then I think it'll have a big, big push uh, with once they get sports. But uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, we have the. Uh, I've never been so invested on the in the NBA before. It's like, oh, they're coming back. We'll see. Please work. Please work. Please, nobody get sick. Please, everything be okay. But we'll see. I guess. <sighs> Stressful. <laughs> well, I. Uh, I- I uh, I don't I don't know what what it is, but I just have a I just have a general feeling that that things just tend to work out. You know, it's it's yeah. it's just it's just a matter of us keeping our heads down, controlling only the things that we can control, and just us moving forward together. As uh, as mm-hmm. to take a paraphrase from Winston Churchill. Yeah, that's true. It's very true. Yeah, I mean, and and then things that are going to fall to the wayside, they fall to the wayside. And uh and then new things, new ideas are brought back or uh I mean, that's the way the the market economy ends up working like with uh uh you know, with drive-in movies. Uh that's what the market needed and that's you know, and then here they have this resurgence. Who would have thought? You know, I, so I'm it's sure, kind of funny. Sure. I'm sure old Joe Bob Briggs from Monster Vision is uh, really happy <laughs> yeah. because uh, he doesn't like that indoor BS. <laughs> right. 
So my five picks are Gosford Park, Kicking and Screaming, Autumn Stables, Nanny McPhee, and Lover Comeback slash Pill Talk. And my five and my five choices are the original, The Invisible Man, uh, the John Goodman double feature of King Ralph and Matinee, Coal Miner's Daughter, and the TV series The King of Queens. Very good. All right. Well, let us know what you've been watching on Peacock. Do you like the service? Are you enjoying it? We would love to hear your thoughts in the comments section or on Twitter. And Ryan, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Insta- Instagram, I can speak, <laughs> and Letterboxd at RyanCam20. And then there's my YouTube channel, RyanCam Movie Reviews. Uh, this is being taped on a Monday, which means that my review for Batman Begins, continuing Nolan Month for a movie that has been delayed indefinitely because I am smart, uh, has just dropped and I will be and I will be continuing that. I'll also be continuing the AFI project, uh, which the latest installment for that was for Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. And then I've got stuff, I've got reviews for, uh, for High Noon and, uh, and a bunch of other, uh, other classics coming down the pike. So uh, do consider subscribing because now is as good a time as ever. Yes, you all should subscribe. It's good stuff. And you can find me at Rachel's Reviews, all of our social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes. So please check that out. And uh, over on Hallmarkies Podcast, we have some really cool stuff happening lately. We had an interview with an actor named Antonio Caon, and we had a great discussion about Black Lives Matter and representation on screen, and I'm really, really proud of it. So I'd love if people checked out that interview and uh, a lot of other good stuff going on over there. So uh, thanks so much. This is always so much fun. And we will talk again next week. Bye, everyone. Bye.